Welcome to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures, with thought leader and award-winning author, Yvette Bethel. This podcast provides you with insights and ideas you can use to reinvent your culture through trust and the principles of interconnectivity, flow, and balance. At a time when the world is rewriting the rules of work, traditional leadership practices are not enough. It's time to perceive persistent challenges through a new lens. It's time to evolve. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This is your host, Yvette Bethel, and the topic for this episode of Evolve is leadership in the digital age. And we have with us business owner and software development, Fernando Colasso. Am I saying it correctly? Yes, you are. You actually said it with the... The accent on the sea, which actually <laughs> dropped a few years ago. When uh, I moved to Switzerland, between French and English people, they would call me like 20 different names. Colacao. I dropped the accent and, and then I only had uh, then I only had like five different names instead of 20. So <laughs> there we go. So Fernando is originally from Portugal and currently owns and operates a software development company in Beijing, China. He has a varied background, which also includes marketing and interactive art. Fernando is a self-taught software designer and developer who has worked in more than 24 countries. He's currently the CEO of Colossal Technology, which is a creative and tech agency in Beijing, founded in 2019. Along with his team, he serves many different industries, both in China and internationally. Hello, Fernando, and welcome to Evolve. Uh, thank you for everything, and good evening. Well, good evening here, good uh, morning in there. <laughs> and good afternoon somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> Okay. So Fernando, one thing that I love about you is that you are self-taught. And uh, you know, in in this in today's world, uh, you know, that's not always valued, but I think there's a lot of value in that. And you've risen to the level of CEO in a company with international reach. So please tell us a bit about your self-development and your uh, leadership path. Okay, so actually the, the software development thing started when I was like uh, 14 uh, because I was very, uh, when I was in Portugal, I was very interested in uh, how computers worked and uh, trying to understand what coding was. And at the time we didn't have internet, so you were dependent on going to the library, uh, bringing like huge, uh, really heavy books. And there was no copy paste, you really have to type uh, what you what you had on uh, the code was in like 20 or 100 pages and then if you do a mistake you need to figure out what you uh <laughs> what you did wrong so it was a good way to learn actually but at the time I was like 14 so it it was more like a hobby but I got really deep deep into it I didn't have a computer at the time my parents couldn't afford one uh actually until I had my first uh computer one of those that you plug to the tv uh Sinclair uh, Spectrum. It was in Europe. It was quite a big thing. Uh, in the US, it was the Timex. It was a similar uh, system. But uh, so before my father uh, bought uh, one of those in uh, installments, I was basically uh, uh, borrowing time in some friends that maybe their parent had a computer. Schools didn't even have uh, computers at the time. 
So I was uh, basically having the ideas and then trying it uh, in limited time in someone else's computer. And then uh, after I get my first one, uh, my mom was not really happy because I didn't go to sleep very early. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it started from there. Uh, then eventually I bought my first uh, secondhand uh, PC. So I could actually start doing some uh, jobs, actually, some small uh, applications for stores like point of sale stuff and database related stuff. But uh, that was still, uh, I was still studying. Uh, and then actually you already mentioned that I'm self-taught, but that was mostly because at the time there was not uh, the curriculum for, uh, especially for software development, uh, was not very developed itself uh, by the time. And then uh, I was really happy because uh, high school started, uh, some high schools, not in my town, but uh, in a nearby city, they had a technological course. Uh, and I, uh, I applied for it, I started but then i was uh disappointed with the uh, the curriculum was really 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 so i was learning things that i was not using for more than two or three years and then in my second year i actually i needed a job to to, to pay for my apartment and uh, for my stuff so i actually was teaching in a private school and half of my students were uh, university students for uh, software uh, engineering but the curriculum was still not uh what i wished it was so I started thinking, okay, either I invest, uh, when I finish high school, either I invest three years in university, learning things that I'm not going to use, or I just open a company now. Uh, and uh, it's easy to guess, I decided to start uh, working as a freelancer and I eventually opened the company. And then moved to Switzerland when I was uh, 21. Uh, I was not freelancing there. I had to land a job first. So I actually started in a, in a big advertising agency, Young and Rubicam. And at the time they were starting to do interactive stuff. I started as a freelancer. And when the project finished, the creative director called me to his, uh, to his office. I said, okay, this is over. I need to find another, uh, another job. And they actually asked me, okay, so if you need uh, to start as a, interactive art director what computer do you need what equipment do you need how many people do you need so i was a little bit i, I think i stopped for a minute like uh, not not knowing how to react uh yeah and that was my beginning of the overseas career i stayed in there for uh, three years but uh it was very interesting it was really good for my development but i always had a little bit of both the creative and the technical side uh and aside from the stress of an advertising agency it was a bit insane uh it was more pending to the the creative side and i was needing more uh tech stuff so then i accepted a, a job from a finance uh, fintech company uh still in switzerland where i stayed another three years and the same happened then i was missing the creative part and i decided okay i'm going to start on my own i'm already here for six years uh i can start a freelance career uh yeah and i did that for another two years and then the crazy time started i decided okay i don't need to be in switzerland my clients are all over the place uh i'm moving all the time with conferences and uh, tech events what if i leave switzerland i'll just start traveling full time so that's when my uh geek nomad uh, uh season started and it lasted six years 
uh, and across uh, 24 uh, longer time total, it was like 21 countries. So I lived and worked from 21 countries and I was switching country every three, four months, more or less. And China was supposed to be three months, but after two months, I already knew I was not going to, to leave. I really got, uh, uh, it, it's one of those things, you, you find your uh, place. I like the pace of things in here. I like the, thing, the speed uh, things evolve because that also opens more uh, opportunities. And I'm really close to all the tech as soon as it is released. So I don't need to waste time waiting for, uh, I need to test something, I just uh, test it. So it's kind of uh, paradise for any kind of uh, computer geek of uh, technology enthusiast uh, like me. So I was working in a few companies and free, uh, freelancing in between, but uh, eventually I ended up opening this company, which is, uh, it's uh, now it's quite solid. It's growing slowly because I'm really picky with the talent I hire and uh, I'm not following the typical startup uh, path. Uh, it's more like, a, how to say, I'm not a big fan of the um, uh, scaling too fast. Uh, I'm very um, careful uh, because uh, later we can talk about that. But the way I uh, hire people in the 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 way equity works in my company, because basically, uh, so basically everyone in my company has the same salary as me. So uh, that's how I get them to really dedicate to the company. Uh, that also means that I can only invest in uh, developed talent already or people that learn really fast. So that's the, the two kinds of people that I usually hire. So I'm basically curating talent for the last uh, almost five years. Uh, but it's working really well. I did a few risky things um, because of normal strategy, especially for startups, it's hire cheap people. And, but then it doesn't work because you, you are paying five people to do the work of one. Uh, and I, I don't want uh, investors or loans, so it needs to grow at its own pace. So we need to be really good at the projects. We need to keep the clients happy so they come back and bring more clients, uh, basically. And so far it's working. Uh, and then I figured out by accident that these, um, everyone on the same salary. Uh, and aside from that, every year, we actually split the, the company profit equally between all, uh, all employees. So they actually make an effort to, uh, to be more efficient, to be good at what they do. Uh, I'm already careful to choose people that actually love what they do because both in uh, software development, um, so in software the development, uh, if you're just doing it for the, let's say for the money, you're, you'll eventually get more bored and more tired and more uh, frustrated in most cases. Uh, and uh, that applies for me because I'm a software developer uh, myself. So um, I'd say uh, I need everyone to be efficient. And uh, since I have another policy that is there's no overtime in, uh, in my company. Well, aside from myself, I'm the one that does the sacrifice if needed. So the, the boss goes overtime if needed, but uh, not, the, not the team. Uh, so uh, they need to learn to be uh, more efficient. And that's quite tricky, especially in China. Because sometimes they come from a big company where overtime is kind of part of the company culture anyway. Uh, and I, uh, I need to get them used. It's part of their first uh, sometimes two or three months. Getting used to becoming more efficient and doing more and doing better in less hours uh, per day. Because one thing I learned 
by myself and in, in many years on these industries, um, sustained over time, it's not a very intelligent uh, idea because if people get more and more tired, their work will be uh, useless after a while. So they will spend the day fixing the mistakes they did yesterday uh, over and over. So that doesn't work very well. And for the creative side is the same because my company has both sides for the creative side is the same you, you don't get inspired if you are exhausted every day so uh so that has been working very well your, um, your business structure is quite inspiring because uh some of the work that i do is uh based on human ecosystems and mm -hmm. you you found a way to build trust and uh, sustain it um, because everyone's getting paid the same, everybody, it's uh, you're sharing everything. So that builds a different kind of uh, interconnectivity among the, the members of your team. And it allows for trust to happen. I mean, of course, trust may or may not happen be because of other <laughs> kinds of contributing factors. It but actually has been working better than I imagined. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love uh, your... Um, I think it's because this quite was inspiring. quite of a crazy idea, a little bit of an experimental thing, and it worked so well that now it's permanent. There's only one contract for the company, uh, huh? and that's uh, that's permanent now. Uh, uh, it it had a lot of side effects, but all of them were positive. So, in the end, I don't really need the uh, piles of uh, layered managers, right? Because people become good at uh, managing and being more responsible for their tasks. Yes. Uh, aside from that, so imagine everyone is on the same level. If someone is slacking and getting lazier, everyone else, everyone else will. I don't yeah. even have work uh, micromanaging anyone, or uh, I don't need to be behind their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, but that also has to have with the structure, right? Because I don't. Do, uh, there's one thing that I learned, especially when I passed in uh, through uh, big companies. Mm -hmm. Because usually there's the developers team, uh, which is a big team, and then there's the creative team, so the design team, and it's usually a, a war between both. So the design team does something cool. Before they brief it to the tech team, they are already finding excuses to not do this or that or, <laughs> or to do that in a simpler way. Uh, in the last company where I was, uh, that I cannot mention, but uh, that was a daily thing. So we were wasting time with... Um, everyone trying to defer uh yeah stuff and then when things come back from development they have nothing to do with what the design team had in mind so then a revision and uh after a thousand revisions the product is not done so what i do is uh both for our internal projects and for client projects uh so we only are 12 people now but uh between the designers and the developers i assign the mini team for each project or for each client because some clients are in a retainer uh retainer contract which means they are happy some of them are with us for more than three years uh so they are basically dedicated and one of the people on that project is the project manager so there's no dedicated project manager so maybe the the lead designer is the project manager maybe the lead developer if the the, the project is more technical than uh, creative uh, and sometimes they change in the middle of the project. They decide between themselves because the project at the stage might be more uh, the creative side. So uh, we kind of uh, morphed into these formats because aside from the um, aside from the salaries are the same and we share uh, uh, the the profit. Uh, 
when whenever there's decisions that affect the workflow uh, or even the team, uh, I let everyone vote, and my vote uh, counts as much as theirs. So, uh, so I had friends overseas asking me, "Oh, that uh, everyone earns the same and uh, everything needs to be split." That's a Chinese thing. That's a communist thing, right? And no, no company in China, or yeah, probably <laughs> not in many places, do that. So uh, uh, I said that, okay, so in terms of equity, we are communists. In terms of uh, changes, we are uh, democratic because they vote on everything. Even, um, even when, it's, uh, when we hire someone on the decision, uh, I, I like everyone's opinions. Uh, even, it only happened once, even when we have to fire someone, uh, uh, I, I listen to, to, to everyone. I always give a second chance, but... Uh, because uh, it it has to happen. It's part of managing a company. It's sad, but sometimes it has to happen. But uh, that's working very well. And again, um, it's easier for me because it's not just me making a decision and I might be wrong or I might be right. right. Uh, it kind of uh, goes in tune with the... It's a team and uh, it, it's a business. I need my team. They need me, but uh, I need them also. It's, uh, it has the same weight, basically. And so far, it's been, it's been working very well. So I'm happy with the, how things are going. Yeah, the way you've done it, the the power is uh, equally distributed as well, and uh, so they can make decisions on on projects where, okay, you take the power. I'm going to step away and do something else. So I'll, you know, exactly. It, I exactly. think that's I that's amazing. In the business all the time, I can be more worried in being on the business. Uh, yeah. And uh, I cannot detach myself uh, completely, but uh, it's also good for the responsibility part because they also trust themselves more. Uh, some of them are more uh, confident, but some of them, when they start, they are used to just being managed. And right. it takes a while to get used to make decisions instead of asking, should I do A or B or should I go in this direction or can I do this? Can I do that? Uh, that's actually very... Uh, good and again i don't need to micromanage anyone uh so basically once we get a, a project approved all the parts of the project uh i just uh let them take big chunks so like the design chunks and uh, <clears throat> the technical ones and then they split that into digestible tasks and they the, they split them between each other uh, i don't even need to interfere in that uh and then by themselves get better at uh, time estimates, get better at uh, at common tasks. Uh, it, it works really well. I'm I'm surprised that there's no more people uh, doing my crazy uh, crazy management method, uh, but uh, it works. It uh, I have friends that also run companies like I, I would be so afraid to do something like that. But well, but uh, I was a little bit. I wouldn't say afraid because I could change things if it didn't go as I expected. Right. But uh, it worked well. After one year, I was already convinced, okay, this is going to be like this forever. Let's see when we when we are 30 or 50 or 100, if that still works. Maybe it's a little bit more uh, complicated, but uh, so far it's working really well. I don't regret that uh, decision of starting like that. And uh, it makes everything so simpler, even in paperwork and contracts and uh, everything. I'm not so sure everyone would want uh, everyone to be paid the same as them in terms of business owners, but uh, that's a whole other, that's a whole other conversation. Yes. 
<laughs> I think uh, with that, uh, we'll take a quick break. And uh, okay. this is your host, Yvette Bethel, and we will be right back after this message. Organizational Soul is a mission-driven organization and network where we specialize in trust in academia, families, and organizations. We are building a community of leaders who are interested in trust and culture. If you are interested in our updates, you can sign up for our newsletter at orgsoul.com. As a thank you for joining our community, you can access our free resources that are designed to help you build your brand as a trusted leader as you contribute to safe space. Sign up now at orgsoul.com. So welcome back to Evolve. Our guest is business owner and software developer, Fernando Colasso. Welcome back. And uh, my next question is, uh, we're going to talk, well, it has to do with uh, the digital age. So um, from your perspective, what does it mean to be in the digital age? Like, what is that exactly? Well, uh, first of all, I love it because one of the reasons why I love my job is that you have to constantly uh, evolve uh, roll credits. Uh, <laughs> you have to be constantly, uh, you don't get bored of your job because technology moves fast. And I'm in China, so that actually uh, has a different pace. And that's probably one of the things that kind of got me loving China so much is that things move at a uh, really uh, fast pace in here. And you have to be constantly recycling and uh, investing on your uh, knowledge and uh, your experience and learning new things, uh, both me and the uh, and the entire team. Uh, these days, things get a little bit lost in buzzwords. Uh, and uh, that's one of my um, kind of pet peeves, because I see a lot of companies pitching uh, AI and blockchain, and they are not, not doing anything related to it. But I suppose it's good to get investors or clients. I don't know. Uh, because both of uh, those are interesting and uh, they are useful when applied on the... But that results in a huge mess, especially with clients. Because then you get clients coming for, oh, I want this website. And it's usually like a very basic brochure website. But it needs to use AI and blockchain and uh, all the buzzwords they can remember. Because someone tried to sell them uh, that. Uh, now recently we we've we're we've been seeing a race with the the ai developing really fast um both uh for many things and it has many uses of course uh it will uh it will have more people either uh investing in uh engineering related to ai and uh ai models and so on it will be risky for the people that are kind of painting themselves on a corner and kind of trying to use AI to do their job because those are the ones that might be at risk of uh, uh, having their job at uh, risk. But uh, then there's the ones that are using AI to complement their job. Uh, and that's the smart direction to go. We only have two projects uh, and I have two AI engineers. Uh, we only have two projects actually using uh, custom models and, uh, and so on. It's an interesting topic, but again, I just don't like to see people using the word AI and machine learning where, where it's completely out of uh, context. In the last year, there's no conference, there's no uh, pitch, uh, company pitch that doesn't have AI on it, even if the company is not doing absolutely anything related to AI. Now, everything that is remotely just logic 
will be labeled uh, AI. So clients clients need to be careful. Um, investors need to be careful uh, because, uh, well, every year or two, we have a new buzzword that uh, it will be abused like, <laughs> like now. So uh, I think it's kind of a cycle. But uh, again, related to... Um, technology what i lo love in the technology side of my job i already said is it keeps moving and uh, you need to constantly evolve and uh, again it's not boring because you because you... a few years ago uh, mobile apps appeared mobile phones smartphones appeared so that was like a, a new thing uh then all kinds of technologies pop up out of nowhere uh, every year. Now we have a lot of projects related to VR and uh, AR and uh, all that stuff. And it's interesting because uh, everyone gets excited here each time there's something that we need to learn. We get even more excited when there's a client um, that wants to do something using that, even if it's something that we don't have like uh, years of experience because the technology is new. Uh, we actually let that really clear to the client when we're dealing with experimental stuff because the timelines might be a little bit crazy uh because i've seen companies saying oh we have uh 10 years experience in ai but that's usually <laughs> not very accurate because the technology itself it's uh more the it's not a new thing ai it's not a new thing but the the the, the ai they are talking about it's something that we're talking about for the last uh, two three years so again it's something to be aware of uh i just don't like to see when it's misused or the buzzwords are abused out of context yeah i think yeah and i think it sounds like it's being done deliberately to mislead <laughs> so it's I, I i've seen so many companies getting investors just because they threw the right buzzword in there and uh, then it has nothing to do with the scope of their company but uh well it works yeah <laughs> so from from your perspective then um with 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 the digital advancements happening, uh, what does leadership need to become in the future? Uh, one of the things sounds like they need to be uh, developed and they need to learn <laughs> what's with these buzzwords actually. That's uh, for example, the the last uh, two years, uh, especially the last one because during the COVID season, let's call it. During the COVID season, uh, work was a little bit slower than usual. Uh, it was kind of two slow years. Uh, we were fine. We we survived. the The company survived, and uh, actually with positive cash flow. But it was really painful because one one good month, two uh, so so months, then two good months, three bad months. Uh, so it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride. But then from last year. Uh, things started moving at a completely different pace we needed to almost double the team at the time because we were only seven uh, eight actually at the time and then we have to from eight we need to grow for, to grow to 12 all of a sudden but um uh most of the projects we've been doing now it's uh, digital transformation uh, projects uh and like big part of the custom software we uh, developed for some companies it's for the management levels uh it's not just the HR or a CRM stuff. It's uh, for uh, especially in big teams to track uh, KPIs and uh, uh, I don't. Well, I could show you our dashboard because it's a little bit of that. Well, we are a software development company, so we do our own tools when we as we need and when we need. 
but uh, I've cut like uh, stand-up meetings and uh, overdose of meetings that most tech companies have. Uh, so we did our own task management tool uh, focused on the way we work. So in our own uh, workflow and we adapt it when needed. And then we just have this huge dashboard with everyone's uh, tasks, the tasks they are working on, the last ones they finish, the next ones they are going to work, the tasks that you have uh, dependencies on that someone else is doing and the time estimated. So our schedule is filled automatically by the system. We can adjust. So it fills the in the morning, it fills the seven or eight hours from the next uh, list. Uh, and then we, did, we don't even need to bother with too much, both with project management, because I already said that people became good at uh, man managing themselves and their tasks and delegating when needed. And we don't need to spend much time on meetings. Our meetings are more just brainstorming uh, meetings. So more we have more creative meetings than technical meetings because everyone is aware of uh, what everyone else is doing. And since the teams are small uh, and the teams are dedicated either to a client or to a project rather than two teams juggling between 20 projects uh, and uh, with limited time per day and uh, juggling between project A and B and C on the same day, uh, we actually have the same team uh, being focused on a project. Sometimes one person is added or comes from another project that uh, just finished. So it's a little bit of step Tetris schedule or Tetris calendar, but uh, it works very well. And we are uh, always ready. We always know when we can accept a new project or uh, if someone uh, finishes a project uh, earlier, uh, we allocate them to our internal projects because we have some ideas for services later. Clients are always first. So the, the time for internal projects is shorter, but uh, uh, this year uh, I, I want to dedicate more for our own uh, services because that's easier to scale. Client work is always uh, selling time. Uh, some large projects are more profitable, but uh, in the end, it's uh, the only way to scale is more people. Uh, while services and products, uh, it's easier to scale. We have the ideas. We have some that we already started. Because our team, for example, there's people that only speak uh, Chinese. There's people that speak Chinese and English, uh, like me. There's, um, there's people that only speak Portuguese and English. So our internal communication uh, software, so the translation is always done on the server. So I receive all my messages in English, even uh, from the Chinese uh, members of the team. The people in Portugal receive the messages in Portuguese and they reply in Portuguese and the Chinese people see it in Chinese, I see it in English and so on. So it saves a little bit of time. So all our uh, project uh, specs uh, use that uh, also. So everyone sees stuff on their language. The original is always there in case uh, the translation is messy because it's still machine translation. But uh, usually it's enough. And if someone has a question, then uh, then the people that uh, that can speak two languages help on the if there's any misunderstanding. But uh, usually it's not needed. So uh, it's. Uh, I, love how, hmm? I love how you use technology to kind of really um, reduce the need for meetings um, so that you can work more. Well, met... time, uh, uh, they can steal so much time for a day. And, uh, yeah. and usually that's management fault. I've been in so many companies <laughs> that you drag to meetings that you're, it, you are there completely out of context. It has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't include when the meetings are more about uh, every department bragging about themselves that has nothing productive for the the work actually, 
uh, and sometimes actually just start some rivalries between teams. And uh, no, uh, I got I basically opened the company because I got tired of some things that didn't work very well in the many places I worked and with some clients I worked before. So the idea was really apply all the things I learned all these years um, and try to do something better. And uh, I'm really happy how it's going so far. There's uh, one or other things that don't work, but they can always be uh, fixed. Uh, and it's not just me. I have my team helping me on sometimes in changing direction and ideas. Uh, it's the advantage of uh, I actually let the, the tech team kind of participate on the creative uh, meetings and the other way around. So we have internal workshops. I don't want my designers to start uh, coding. Actually, we uh, aside from me, there's another two people that are both designers and developers. That's very useful. But I like my designers. All of them understand coding. Some of them actually can uh, play a little bit around with it. And I like that uh, all my coders uh, have constant uh, every Friday uh, afternoon. We have kind of a so the developers uh, prepping a, a workshop for the designers or the other way around. So uh, everyone kind of it's. Uh, is able to speak the same language again i don't need the designers to be able to code but they know how it works so they know the limits they know the what might be a problem uh and the other way around too so they actually speak on the same like oh i need this in photoshop but please uh do the transparent layer with this or that uh, so they know what they are talking about so i like my team to keep investing on themselves on uh, learning uh so uh that's very important because we're not robots we're not supposed to just sit on our computers repeating the same tasks every day. That happens in big companies, especially in teams like uh, 500 people. I've seen so many times someone that can actually do better, but uh, management doesn't let them do better because their role is uh, that. That's right. That's right. And that, that's useless. Again, uh, that's good for companies with unlimited money because they are wasting money in there. They were wasting time and they are making someone talented frustrated which will eventually get out of there and uh, work for someone else That's someday as a, as a final question if uh you were to leave if you would want our audience to kind of remember one thing about this conversation what would that be uh trust your team find people that you can trust uh and, and that can uh, be an asset to the company doesn't mean that you have to pay them the same salary as yours uh give people the power of decision give people the the um, listen to them again people are not robots and if you want your team to to really contribute to the success of your company uh you need to trust them they trust you they need to trust you also but uh again a work relationship uh, also involves trust uh so that's one thing uh I learned many years ago. Uh, sure, you need some level of uh, authority and so on, but actually trust is more useful than just blind authority. Do this, do that. Because then, aside from the fact that they will be completely dependent on you, uh, and even if you don't like to micromanage, you'll end up uh, having to do it because people will not feel confident to, to do things because they will be afraid that you'll be just nitpicking uh, this or that. Or at least they will have to ask you all the time, is this okay? Is this uh, all right? Uh, should I do it uh, like this? So give people some freedom because if they don't become good and efficient enough, then you pick the wrong person and maybe you need to find another one uh, or they will need to improve themselves and that's also good for you. 
they will make that effort for sure if they like the job or if they like what they do. So it's um, rather than the rigid uh, uh, management and the authority uh, structures, some uh, some freedom and some trust uh, in between the layers, it's quite useful. I learned that before opening this company, but here I'm applying it uh, in a completely different level. Uh, and I'm really, uh, really happy with it. I got to a point that I don't need to to police them uh, because they they police themselves, uh, not just in efficiency. It's impossible for someone to slack or get lazy here because everyone is at the same uh, uh at the same level so uh they kind of but they don't do it in a policing way i'm just using the i'm just joking with the word they actually help each other to to get uh, everyone uh it's fair for everyone this way so uh it's kind of um it's kind of uh, i found it out by accident because that came out of the uh uh same salaries and split actually the, the profits are not split equally uh so we we are 12 the the profit is divided after we set aside money for uh hiring more people and new equipment because we do a big meeting every company birthday uh, about that after we set a buffer and uh, what needs to go um to be used this year uh then the bon uh, the yearly bonus is the split profit but we add an extra bracket uh, for charity every year and everyone votes uh, either we do an activity and we do it ourselves like uh, buying computers for a school in the countryside and paying a teacher to 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 teach uh, it related stuff coding uh, uh, for kids um, or we vote in a in a charity uh, that that money goes to but uh, it's always divided by entire team plus one the plus one is the is the charity part so positive thank you i think with that i'd like to say thank you to fernando for such an engaging interview your insights will certainly support our audience with building uh their leadership in a digital age and before we sign off uh, fernando can you please tell our audience how they can contact you okay so we have our website that is uh that just uh that just was recently revamped because we needed to update it with the crazy projects from this year it was so fast uh, not this year last year so we are at uh, uh kulako.tech so c o l a c o dot tech t e c h uh and by the way uh i'm uh, i'm doing a promo for the for your post, uh, podcast subscribers. So it's the same, kulako.tech uh, slash evolve. So uh, for any project signed off before the end of Q1, uh, we're giving 20% discount on the project rate, 30% uh, if it's for a developing country. Wow, and for just for clarity, it's Q1 2024. Yes, <laughs> yes, until end of March. That's right. Okay, so this has been Yvette Bethel and Fernando Colapso, and we'd like to thank you for taking the time to join us on Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Thank you for listening to Evolve, Reinventing Leadership, Building Freedom Cultures. Learn more about our proprietary trust, leadership, and culture courses and certifications at the IFB Academy. You can check them out at organizationalsoul.com.
www.learnworlds.com. <laughs>